Welcome to No Ideas Original Podcast featuring Shannon, Mr. Rob, Zane, and Ken. Tonight, we are fortunate enough to be joined by Harlem MC, Ghostwriter, a dude I, I personally feel came into hip hop during the golden era when, when mm. he was really popping on the mixtape scene. Bath Gay, what's up, bro? How you doing? Yeah, what's good? What's good, y'all? What's good? What's up? Yo, we had, we, you know what? I feel like the universe works in like, like a crazy way because we had this interview set up for a couple of weeks now, you know, different yeah. things came up that, that kind of got it pushed back. But, um, you know, I was, I was, I've been listening to Clubhouse. I don't know. You, you on Clubhouse? No, I don't fuck with Clubhouse. <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been listening to Clubhouse. And I, prior to this, I really wasn't on it much either. Uh-huh. But I don't know if you've been following in, in the news now. Like, there's a whole bunch of conversation going on as it relates to Karen Civil. And Karen Civil's dealing with, um, with, with what's the dude's name? Joyner Lucas? Mm saying that she she basically told Joyner Lucas that she was going to do promotion for him and help his career take off mm-hmm. if he gave her 60 grand and he gave her 60 grand and his career didn't pop back then but now Joyner Lucas is Joyner Lucas he then came off and everything oh. and, and, he, and he came up and so now he on Clubhouse kind of air out and all these people are coming out with like the surviving Karen Civil story <laughs> and everything but yo it just it kind of made me think about like because I had an opportunity I watched the interview on Flip the Script and to me, like, yo, that that's one of the best interviews that I've ever seen them do. And I really appreciated hearing your story, bro, because I'm like, yo, this, this, yo, your resilience and everything that you've been through to still be here and, and still be standing and still making music and everything. I'm like, yo, yo, the industry is dirty as hell. <laughs> it, it is. It definitely is. It definitely is, man. I don't know. I don't know too much about the Karen Civil uh, situation. I actually saw something really quick on Instagram. I, I forgot who posted it, but I didn't even, um, I don't know what it was, but I just was like, I just wasn't in the mood for the drama at that second. But I, I listened for a hot second, then I just kept skimming. But I didn't know it was with Jordan Lucas. I didn't know it was an issue with Jordan Lucas. That's crazy. Yeah, but and then- it's kind of crazy, man. It's, it's, a, it's a dog-eat-dog game, man. It's like really... It's really it is it can be really nasty. It's a really nasty game at some time, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Some people stand up, some people are just I don't know that situation, but I'm not shocked though that it didn't work out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and then Cam, Cam had history too with her too. Cam had history with her because Cam has said that she did the same thing to Duke the God a few years ago. So Cam had mentioned this years ago, but people wrote Cam off and was like, yo, whatever Cam is saying. It's, it's, it's inaccurate, it's not true, Cam is just hating. So the reason why I kind of made me think about like us with our interview with you is because yo, I asked a lot of people this. We had Shaheen on, we had Cuban Link on, we had Ali Vegas on, we had quite a few people on. I usually ask them at the end of the line, did the music business sour you on the business of making music? Like has your passion for making music sort of declined as a result of all the industry politics? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's sour, it's sour things at first. You know what I'm saying? It's it it because you know when you are when you are artist, especially a young for young artist, you you know you your main focus should be the music and 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 your craft. You know what I'm saying? Getting your skills right so you can you can compete with some of these some of these artists and then you can like you know withstand and have a, a career with longevity. But sometimes you gotta really, in hindsight, I know that. You gotta really have an eye on what's going on in your business because everybody is not trustworthy. You know what I'm saying? And I 
I think with my situation is, I, you know, I was young. I signed the guys who believed in me. You know what I'm saying? I, I came from a different world, so I don't know nothing about this world. You know what I'm saying? This world was a more corporate world. You know, you, you got to rub shoulders with everybody. Everybody's supposed to be cool. But, you know what I'm saying? It's not really like that. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you got to really, like, I, I mean, I signed the deal and had no lawyer, no nobody in representation of me but the people who, who signed me. You know what I'm saying? It, it took me, I didn't even realize what I was doing because I, I thought I was in good hands. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when I signed my deal and I'm using uh, uh, G. Robeson's lawyer, I'm thinking I'm straight because this is my guy. Yeah, yeah. I, looked, I looked up to him. So, you know what I'm saying? And so it's like, it's like taking a, it's like taking a young team and, and mentoring him. And now he's not expect that team is not expecting to look at you funny because he's looking at you as a mentor. So he's trusting you with everything and that you can't do. It, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You got to have good people that's business minded, that, that understands what they, you know, what the plan is and how to get you to pop. I think, you know, in my time, everybody was focused on the wrong thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So what, what, what got you reinvigorated? You know, what made you decide, I don't want to get back to making music? I, I love this shit. I mean, and you know, what's crazy is that my, my, my oldest son, who's 12 years old, I'm always on him about like his with basketball. So I always like take him outside training. And I do a lot of stuff with him. Like, we always riding together and we're going to these different trainings and different basketball practices and stuff. And I'm playing my music usually. And I'm telling him like, you know, son, you gotta uh you gotta keep your you gotta stay dreaming. You gotta keep dreaming, you gotta work hard, you gotta prepare to be successful, and you can't let nobody deter you. And he one day told me, he was like um, Dad, so what about your dream? You know what I'm saying? And he's like, yo, what about what about your dream? I said, well, I'm sacrificing a little. I'm sacrificing my dream to make sure your dream is right because not everybody is loyal. I mean, not everybody's lucky to come from where we come from. Mm -hmm. So I want to make sure that your dream, you you can, your dream, your dream is uh, achieve. You can achieve that dream. And he's just like, yo, I said, so I'm kind of like pushing my dream to the side. And he told me, he's like, don't stop dreaming. You don't stop dreaming either. You go for your dream too. And that idea like, kind of lit the fire again for me, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was always there, and I'm always still writing and, and making music, but that kind of, like, changed my perspective. It made me want to, like, really hit the ground running. Yeah, that's dope. You know what I'm saying? Or shout out to my son, Justin. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Being that, you know, it's been a little bit of while, and you're a little older now, how do you feel your music's changed? Because I know, like... When you when you out there and you're younger, the topics change, the thought right. process change. How do you feel like it changed? Right. Um, pardon me. Um, I think being older, I'm wiser. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I'm more focused on, I'm still focused on my skill set. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I always listen to guys for motivation, like, the, you know, like Royce the 5'9", and, you know, Benny the, Benny the Butcher, and, mm -hmm. and guys like that. I, and I listen to those guys because I respect they pen, like the, the, the RJ Paynes, you know what I'm saying? So I'm trying to, I'm looking at them, I'm studying the game from what, how they're approaching it, and I'm like, all right, I got to make sure that I come correct. I'm not really thinking about the melodic stuff, the melodies and stuff like that so much, because to me, it's always been about your skill set, your wordplay, you know, your, your wittiness, 
and, and your metaphors and what you're talking about and how you're painting the picture. And, and it's nothing against the, you know, the melodies and stuff like that. Because, you know, I want to do that as well. But it's always been that competitive part for me. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I, I, I don't think that when Kobe was watching Mike, he was thinking about, you know, I'm going to just dunk on everybody. He was like, no, I'm young, but I'm going to take that fadeaway game and, and use it to my advantage as well. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's all about me. Just I just, yeah, as I got older, I just started watching and paying attention more, you know, to the, to, the, to the new guys and older guys coming back and just seeing what I need to bring to the table. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't looking at it from the perspective of, of the little Uzis of the world, even though they're big superstars, I wasn't trying to compete or figure that that lane out because there's, there's so many different, there's so many lanes in hip hop, and especially with underground artists really getting their flowers now, it's not it's not like you really need to to be commercial. You can just do your music that you do that you're happy with, and you know your fan base is you know gonna love. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting you say that because I do feel like there, there's been like a reemergence in terms of lyricism. Like you do have people that are very much heavy on, on melodies, but now lyricism wordplay is definitely back in the picture. And you know what I think part of that is? I think part of that is sort of like the removal of people having to rely on major labels to kind of be like the, the engine behind everything. Now that people are independent, I think what independence has has Independence has created more um, control for artists with their own projects. So now you look at dudes like Nas, who like 20-some years in with a King, King's Disease 1 and King's Disease 2, some of his best work in a long time. And then AZ just put out a, a new album. And then like you, you, look, at, you look at the... Um, the, the Conways and you look at these type of dudes and their music is sort of like to me it's like unrelenting it's like they're just making the music that they want to make that they know their core audience really right. appreciates now here's the part that I kind of struggle with because probably 20 years ago doing all of this was sort of taboo right if you were independent it was almost viewed as a failure people were saying yo mm-hmm. the land speed those are the rap graveyards but in yep. reality that was, I was actually told that yeah, <laughs> I told that verbatim. Like when I was telling guys, like actually, when I was signed to the production um, team, I was signed to to Enigma, Enigma Music Group to G and Hip Hop. Mm-hmm. I remember being told when we was going through, we was going through a Virgin Records, and one of the guys who worked at Virgin, my man Shadow, shout out to Shadow. Um, I haven't spoke to him in years, but. I remember being, um, he was going over that. He was working at Koch. He, he got like a big position at Koch. And I was just like, you know, well, Shadow's at Koch. Let's go to Koch. Nah, nah, nah. And I don't remember who, I don't know if G said it or I, I don't think hip hop said it, but somebody in that in our circle said like, yo, we, we go over there. We go, you know, the independent route is the graveyard for, for rappers. God, the graveyard, and I was just like, "What?" And the next thing you know, the Jim Jones is of the world. Yeah. Everybody's selling, you know, records six dollars pop. I'm like, "Yo, what the fuck?" Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But definitely, I definitely was told that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's the it's the optics, though. You think about it, it's like it's the optics of okay, you could be on a major label, and what people believe comes with a major label versus being on being independent. And people are looking at independent, well, you want independent because the independent is graveyard or the independent right. people are not getting money. When the reality of it is the independent artists were getting way better splits than people that were on the major right. label. The, you the, know? Problem, the problem is that, the problem is this. 
everybody that's inspiring to, to do this music thing, rap, or whatever it is they, 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 they're trying to do in the music business, everybody wants to be Jay-Z, everybody wants to be little, a little Wayne, everybody wants to be biggest Beyonce, so they're shooting for that, so they don't care, they don't care to see what the pros and cons are, so they're just looking at it from, I right, if I sign to a major label, I can be as big as Lil Wayne, and, and I get that, and it's cool to have that, you know, to have that ambition and that goal, but everybody is not designed to be that, you know what I'm saying, somebody might be, so you, you might have an artist that's more, uh, more pen savvy, and his, their music is soulful, and it's not really poppy or commercial, and it's just, it's not in the cards for them to be as big as a pop artist, really. You know what I'm saying? They can still be big. They can be big overseas. They can be big independently. They can make all this money and and, and pull a pull a Ryan Leslie and be successful. Yeah. But and then disappear. You know what I'm saying? But nobody's thinking like that. Everybody's thinking, I gotta be as big as Lil Wayne. I gotta be as big as Jay Z. And everybody's timing is different. Everybody's time is different. The game is different. It's always evolving and it's always new avenues opening up. You know what I'm saying? And I think in hindsight, that was where I slipped up at. Is because I got down on myself because I couldn't be as big as those guys. You know what I'm saying? When it was a lane you know, on the independent market, you know what I'm yeah. saying? For independent artists, you know what I'm saying? I've, I've seen a lot of independent artists come and really do well on the independent market, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah. You know, we had the, I had the same conversation with Master Ace, and I, and I was saying to Master Ace, I was like, you know, would you have traded your career, the career you have, for like this, for like one huge hit record? And he was saying, he was like, no, that he would keep it. He said he thinks about it, and he said that he would keep his career the way it is because he said whatever royalties he probably would have made off the one hit record, he would have probably already spent it. But, right. you know, his career, that, the career that Master Ace has has provided him with an opportunity where he probably never has to work a regular nine to five job. You know, he's touring overseas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at this point, you know, even the music he makes, I still like his albums. He still makes really good music, you mm-hmm. know, but at the end of the day, he never went mainstream. He was never really a big pop artist. And I think that really speaks to what you're saying about people knowing and understanding that lane now being on the outside looking at it as a consumer of the music to me it's easier to to see that but i would imagine being in your shoes as the artist it's much more difficult to to kind of come to that realization or to say to yourself like all right you know what i'm gonna do my numbers and i'm gonna get my bread this way and i may not you know i may not have the number one hit or fuck it if i do get the number one hit it'll come when it comes kind of thing Right, it's, it's, it's because, you know, at that time, like I said before, in the beginning, you're thinking about being a big, big superstar. And as you get older, you're looking at the game differently. You're thinking about it like, nah, I gotta make sure I secure this bag. I gotta make sure that I got this, I secure this bag to come for for a long time. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, God, that's a legend. He's one of the nicest niggas doing it. You know what I'm saying? Ball for but if he he understood that as he, I, I'm sure he understood that as he got older. Yeah, you know what I'm saying like view the game differently, and and he got the right business people in his corner, so he's able to look at the game differently and able to uh, to you know reinvent himself or just be able to still appeal to his audience when you got you know when you got guys like you know um, the Pusha T's of the world, they're kind of like 
they have to go this they kind of had to go this route because they already in too deep in that route for you know yeah. what I'm saying? So they had to go that route so like for myself um that wasn't an option really for me you know what i'm saying so the option was i'm gonna do what i'm doing now or nothing you know what i'm saying and that's because also the people that you have in your corner they gotta be on the same page they gotta they gotta actually talk to you and give you these options as well and nobody was at that time and that 2001 2002 wasn't thinking about going independent you know the people who the people who saw that and jumped on that avenue were being were able to be successful to sit the either um what's the guy name um he made it really big on the underground independent um damn it tech nine yeah you know, yeah like, yeah you know, really, really made a lot of money being independent. You know what I'm saying? You know, and I just watching from afar, not you know, watching the nigga pocket, but just watching his music and his catalog grow. You know what I'm saying? And and, and then like I said, it's, it's it was a it's a lane for everybody. You know, that's why there were you know guys that can still make music and still do shows at MF Dunes. God bless his soul. Like yeah. artists in the underground that that you know I didn't really, even though I was a part of that underground. It was different for me in, in that time period, you know what I'm saying, the way it is now, you know what I'm saying, just like, just like the battle game is different, you know what I'm saying, the way we battled in, in hip-hop in the street was different to where they battle now, now it's like a whole, you know, league, it's a league, it's like, yeah. it's, like, it's, like it's like wrestling, it's like, they yeah. gotta have cards and undercards, that shit yeah. is genius. It's just like it, it carved out a niche for you to make a lot of fucking money mm-hmm. and still appeal to your audience. You know what I'm saying? And not, it's not in everybody's cards to be as big as the Jays and, and Little Wayne's. It's, it's, sometimes it's in your card to be this or to be that. Or, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's up to the individual to figure out how to monetize their brand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, like you, what you're saying, it's, it's tough because you got to get comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. It's, it's like that. It's like that with sports too. So everybody that plays in high school basketball, everybody that plays in college, everybody thinks they're going to the league. Mm-hmm. Now the league used to be only it, but now you got people. You got more people understand they got a Europe, Big Three, all over the place, all over the world. Yeah. There's money everywhere. Yeah, so I'm talking about Sundays all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's everywhere. everywhere. Get get to get the college, get the scholarship, go to school for free. Better your craft and let it take you where it's gonna take you. You know what yep. I'm saying? Because you can throw it all in one basket, not make it, and next thing you know, 20 years in, and you, you know, you, you're not happy with where you at. Yeah. You know what I mean? When don't close the doors on these avenues, and that's what I think. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of artists, you know, do they close the door on that avenue because they can't see themselves doing anything else but being the big artist and, and it's, it's not meant for everybody it's not it's not designed that way if that was the case everybody would be big music artists you know what i'm saying you could be big in your own right you know what i'm saying you could be big to some degree you know what i'm saying like i'm pretty sure that the, the you know, a lot of artists that i you know that i listen to every day that's underground that's that's making you know selling albums probably heard this as well you know what i'm saying but they didn't close the app they didn't close the door in those avenues and they're able to be successful on the, on the independence on the independent market or the underground market or you know just the streets is going to talk man they're going to they gonna fuck with you or not it's not going to be a situation where your music is going to sell itself if you just put your best foot forward and, and you market it right it's going to sell itself you know what i'm saying people are going to fuck with you or they not 
Yeah. Well, we live we live in an era now with this digital age where it's like everything is direct to consumer. So the whole notion of even needing a label involved is to me it's like I, I don't even know why at this point you would wanna cut up the pie that way. But I guess, you know, people thought process behind the label is, you know, the label helps in terms of promotion and all that. Which is promotion and marketing is definitely needed. But I also think I agree with you. Like, you know, a lot of times, like if you got the right record, that record is gonna work itself. Like if people hear it, you know, you get it out on YouTube, Spotify, whatever it is, you get it out there and people begin to hear it. You know, think about it. When you when you were probably at, at the, the height of your um, success, there were A&Rs and shit like that at the label. Now the a and is probably going on YouTube and Instagram looking at how many yeah, followers yeah. somebody yeah. got, how many yeah. subscribers they got. Because they don't want to build an artist. There's no money going into building artists anymore. Yeah. Now it's like, all right, you've already established yourself. Now let's throw some corporate money behind you right. and then see what we could do with it. So I, I wish that, I wish people would be, would feel more compelled and believe more in themselves to be like, you know what? I built this all up on my own. Let me take my product out for myself, put it on the street, and let me get let me get the money. Let me build my team around me and stuff like that, and then take it from there. Like that's one of the things I think that I admire about LeBron, even beyond his basketball. Like LeBron is in a position where he put his dudes in a position, and now their brand is growing so big around in terms of business and stuff like that. You know, and yeah, he you know LeBron was the bag. He got the first check for them, but then he took that, and now LeBron has probably created generational wealth. For so many different people, yeah, just just on the strength of believing in themselves. So I don't know how we shift, we get people to shift and begin to start thinking about that. Like, you know what? If I got a million a million followers or five hundred thousand followers without, uh, what is it? I don't even know. There ain't even many record labels in, uh, around anymore without Def Jam doing it. Why well, need to sign the Def Jam at this point? Like, yeah. what, do you think, what do you think is is preventing people from saying like, all right, you know what? I could, this is something I can do on my own without the help of a Def Jam. Because it costs too much money. I mean, it costs too much money. It costs a lot of money to break a record. If you mm. to break a record the right way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know what I'm saying? To really break a record the right way. Yeah. If you're not thinking along those lines, then you can put up your own little, you know, own little bit of bread and, and work your music on the internet. You can do that. You know, I'm, I'm sure you can go to under. It's a lot of people that's doing podcasts, underground radio shows, still, uh, you know, the internet radio shows, college radio, and you can still go around and go to hit these towns and play your, your music in these clubs, or you know, get the DJs to play your, your music in the club or the strip clubs, etc. It's a lot of different ways of doing it. Like, you know, what I'm saying, I, I, I once heard that uh, Fetty Wap. Was was playing his Trap Queen record in the clubs for two years before the people heard it on the radio. You know what I'm saying? So like, it's always a way of doing it. If you're gonna, you're gonna guerrilla market it, you know what I'm saying? If you're gonna do it like that, but I think the problem is that some guys, you don't know where everybody's situation is, and everybody might not have the bread, yeah, the resources to to to, to find to push their own career. You know what I'm saying? So they're looking for the major to be that machine behind you, you know what I'm saying, that put up, put up the money, but that that comes with, you know, that comes with something too, you know what I'm saying, you sign that deal, you never depending on what that deal is, and they're gonna figure out a way to make money off you, it's it's up to you, you gotta figure out what you're willing to negotiate for yourself, you know what I'm saying, yeah. you know, where I'm at, and you know, in my life, it's it's a little bit of different. It's a little different. So I'm willing to spend a couple dollars on myself because it's not like 
I'm not looking at it from that perspective. I, I just want to do the music I love. I want to get it to, to the people. I want the people, you know, to give me that feedback back. And you, you know, you don't always get that immediately if you're trying to just fake the numbers. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to buy the views. You know? <laughs> I get hit every day, DMs every day about, you know, I can do this and fix your numbers and I'll be yeah. like, get you a blue check and I'm like, God, <laughs> get rich off me, champ. I'm not paying you yeah. to fix the numbers. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. Now you want to be able to reach out and touch the people and, and, and yeah. grow organically. Right. Yeah. And because even if you, even if somebody fixes, fix my numbers, it doesn't equate to sell. You know what I'm saying? It's a box. Nobody's actually purchasing it. You know what I'm saying? So, like, what the fuck is that gonna do for me? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's straight. You know what I mean? But you know, everybody gotta have their own hustle. Everybody gotta do their own thing, man. But I, I, I would suggest, I would advise, you know, to any artist, any new artist uh, um, coming up, is to put your coins behind your, behind yourself. You know what I'm saying? You really don't need the record labels. You know, unless that's where your lane is. You know what I'm saying? If you if you're gonna go, you know, and be an artist like Drake, then you need the record companies because you know that's where it's gonna work. It's gonna work on the mainstream. But if you're gonna be an artist like uh, Benny the Butcher, you know, Smoke Dizza, you know, guys like that, you can kind of go the independent route and and keep it to yourself. And it's gonna keep raising your stock. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, you can, yeah. and, and you make money. You know what I'm saying? The West Side Guns. He kind of they, they kind of like carved it out. Like, look, you yeah. this our way, and they they're, they're touring. That shit is major. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's a major success, and that's a major success for the underground and other artists, the Rome streets of the world. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, those artists are carved out their own lane on the underground and salute all of them. Those artists really are making it happen. You know what I'm saying? Good look. It's a good look for artists who don't want to, you know, change their shit to, to try to please the masses. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 for sure. And it's a breath of fresh air too. You know what I mean? Like you're saying, people, people are watching too. People are watching and checking all the time for people. To, I think a lot of people get it confused that you got a bunch of guys on the mainstream, so that's all you know. All you do is click on the big radio stations, that's all you hear. Yeah. But with the emergence of everything, people checking for, for, for everybody. So everything. you get a following for years. Yeah, you got a following people all the way through the whole year. You run into people at different venues and different events. Right. I'm right now, I'm sure you run into people all the time. I can tell you stuff you did years ago. Right. It'd it be bugging yeah. me. <laughs> Now I was saying I run into people all the time that 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 give me my flowers, they show me love and they and they telling me that they're rocking my, my music or they're like, Oh, I got your last project grand opening. I'm like, oh word? And, and I you know I'm blown away by it because I'm just putting it out there and I'm hoping that you get to it because that's how I get introduced to new music all the time. Like, I be on Instagram just searching for stuff. I just be looking and looking and I might stumble across somebody, you know, tagging somebody else's uh, artist or they might play some new music. And the shit is dope. I'm gonna fuck with it. Like, you know what I'm saying? I just downloaded something today of, of a group I think I've never heard of before. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I'm, it, I'm always doing that because, like, my man Rice always told me, like, yo, man, it's so many different artists out there. Like, the, you just gotta search for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you gotta search for it and you'll hear the shit that you wanna hear. You know what I'm saying? It's not gonna always just be, you know, what's, what's on the radio. And, 
you know, what's on the radio is fine too, but you know, what's on the radio, you know, a lot of artists have they have that backing behind them, you know what I'm saying? So it's slightly different. So the song on the radio is probably 10, 10 songs that play over and over. Yeah. Over and over <laughs> Same 10 songs all day, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and that's the thing. How do you not like something if you hear it a thousand times? You're in condition. Condition. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> You're being programmed. That's literally radio programming. They program you to like the shit. You know what I'm saying? So I'm sure if I drop a record today and I can get a, a thousand spins a day, you know what I'm saying? I'm sure that that record's gonna be successful. I mean, people gonna love it because they're hearing it constantly again. You know? Yeah, they're like, all right, fuck it, I take it. You playing yeah. it? Must be good. Yo, so what? You know, what led you to actually pick up the pen and start writing and rapping? And when did you realize that you actually had something? Ah oh, man, like I, see, I come from a family of hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm not sure if you know about my my story, but my uncle Mike C is from the group The Fearless Four. So you know, they was the first uh, rap group to sign to a major uh, major label. And his brother, my other uncle, my uncle L.A. Sunshine, is from the Treacherous Three. Okay. So I grew up in a household. My uncles were in high school, and they were doing hip-hop music. So this is all I heard, you know what I'm saying? So I got to be around, you know, Kumo D when I was eight years old and, and being a Kumo D video. I got to meet Rakim. I got to meet Big Daddy Kane. You know what I'm saying? So I was inspired from, from a young boy, you know what I'm saying? Like, and then one day I was watching a video music box and uh, a Coogee rap video was on for um, Ill Street Blues. And I was I recorded it on the VHS. Yeah. And I would just listen to it a song over and over again. And then what I did was I made up my own version of Ill Street Blues as a kid. That's dope. And that was the first rhyme I, I wrote. Even though it was a copy, mm-hmm. but it was like I was changing the words, but I I, I, just loved the, I loved the way she rapped to this thing, you know what I'm saying? And then that was it. I, that was, I think I was like in the third grade or fourth grade. And um, by the time I was like 13, 14 years old, um, I was already like writing. I already had like, you know, like the, the album on the, on the TDK tape with the tissue stuff in it. <laughs> like 30 songs on it. Like I was like in it, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, me and my boy, me and my boy Grams and my, my boy Dills, we was already making music at my man E-Crib. So it, it became like, that was our thing. We would be, we would, put, we would uh, create our rhymes in the hallway, in the building, in the project. And then we would go upstairs to eat crib because I lived on the 19th floor and he lived on the 20th floor. And I, we would just go upstairs to eat crib. And he had to set up with the mic and, you know, he had to get in pee. And it was just like, all right, cool, let's rock and roll. And then we were cutting our first demos in there like that. So I've been like doing albums since I was like 13, 14 years old. Yeah. Yo, let's talk about the ev- the evolution of hip hop, right? Like you went from cut you cutting albums, doing demos mm. in somebody's apartment, to probably recording in these huge studios. To now, if you look about it, like everybody got like home studios. Yeah. Hip hop downsize, labels downsize, the equipment downsize. Yeah. yeah real the A dats to to yeah. how do you call it Pro Tools. Oh, MP3s, man, the reels, man. I remember the reels, man. Crazy, and the dats, yeah, man. Like it, it just, it's the future, man. Like 
it, the music gets to you so quickly, so you got to be able to, to to get to the studio quickly. So, mm -hmm. you know, the best thing to do is in, is invest in the studio equipment and learn how to record yourself, mm -hmm. just to get the pre-production up, so you can take it to the studio to somebody and that know what they're doing and mix and master it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because everything comes so quickly. If every you know, back in the days, you used to be able to grab an album from the store. Listen to it, open up the booklet. I know where you're going with this. And yeah. zone out with it, right? You can't do that shit no more. You yeah. can't memorize your favorite artist's rhymes no more because you, you, you're you living with the music maybe seven days before something it's else new come out. Yeah. yeah. Switching up, switching up, switching up. So it's like, you know, I had a friend like, yo, we go at it all the time about, um, uh, he's gonna laugh if you see this, but we go at it, at it all the time about um, Kendrick Lamar. And his favorite artist, I forgot who he was preparing Kendrick. Is Kendrick better than this person? Or I don't know. Like, but he said to me one time, he's like, recite one Kendrick Lamar verse. I said, I can't recite no Kendrick Lamar verses. There's so much shit going on. You know what I'm saying? But I like his yeah. music. Yeah. And I think he's, he's the next level. I think he's a goat. You know what I'm saying? But I can't. I don't know Kendrick Lamar. I'm just trying to learn my own shit. Like, it ain't like how it does before where you can live with an album for. Yeah. Um, a year, six months to yeah. a year before you know somebody else, you know, before you even tamper and fuck with somebody else's shit. But yeah, you know, it's different, man. It's evolution is crazy, man. You gotta you gotta keep going, man. You gotta constantly keep sharpening your pen and just keep going. Like just don't don't cap, don't put a cap on your uh, music. You know, that's what I learned myself. You know what I'm saying? Like I just finished the project with Rice with mm -hmm. these bangers, and I told him, I say, listen, keep giving me music, bro. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> We can't stop. When we stop, <laughs> we don't have the time. We can't afford to just. Yeah. If you, if you still got music, let's just keep cutting music. You know, the album is done, but let's just keep cutting music. We might stumble on something that we can put out. Yeah. You know? And um, I'm working well, so uh, working with Ron Browse on a project soon. Okay. And, um, yeah. So like, so as soon as we roll out the my new project with Straight Bangers, it's called uh, Nobody's Innocent. Mm -hmm. And um. Once we roll out with that, we're gonna rock with that, and then uh, I'm gonna come. I'm trying to come with the Ron Browse uh, project. Then I'm working with these other guys called the Kingsmen. My boy Ron did. My boy Ron Thomas's uh, people. They they have like a artist uh, production group. You know what okay. I'm saying? They, and these guys are freaking dope. You know what I'm saying? Like R&B writers, producers, and it's not just R&B. Like the hip hop shit is crazy. You know what I'm saying? So it's like. I'm just I'm willing to just keep putting in work. You know what I'm saying? Whoever's willing to work with me, let's rock and roll and I'm just you know, ready to just put out the music, you know, and just have fun and enjoy the shit that I love to do, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Shout out straight bangers. Rice is my dude. I know Rice for forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rice Rice is my dude. I and I you know, high cross supported. I got the um the grand opening album. I thought it was dope. I like Sweet Splendor. I liked a lot of the tracks a lot. I thought it was like really soulful. And to me, it was it was different from what I was used to hearing from you right. back in the days. So I'm like, all right, this is a nice a nice change of pace. But also like having known Rice and Pat for mad years too. I've seen the evolution of their production as well. And I think you guys kind of found like a really good marriage. Like even the um the little snippet of the joint. I don't know if it's the the sample from um, Glenn Jones. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's just yeah, fire. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like yo, it's, it sounds like you know high call. Like you like you really you got producers that's matching where you going. 
Right. Imagine that. That's got to be refreshing for you. Nah, it is, man. It's it, it's it's very refreshing. You know what I'm saying? Because that the beauty of working with the bangers is that I can it, it it's just a phone call away, and the way we can bounce we can bounce the ideas. I can be like, yo, look, I got an idea for a project. That's what it was. I told I told right. So you know, I got an idea for a project. It's called Nobody's Innocent. I get to tell a different tale, different story about a kid and how a young kid's innocence is being removed and how he gets introduced to the street, right? And I left him with that. And then I started receiving tracks. And then it wasn't like I had to pick these tracks, really. It was like, there's three tracks he sent me. Oh, two of these would be perfect for the project. Because he's producing according to that that title to the sound. Yeah. yeah. Able to work with each other like that, which is really dope and refreshing. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So it don't really take that long for us to really cut a project together, you know what I'm saying? But it was it's really dope, man. I can't wait for people for y'all to hear it, man. Like, oh man, it's really it's it's really different from Grand Opening. You know what I'm saying? And I, I love Grand Opening because I wanted to show people my growth and how I matured. To grand open is really really mature. Yeah. You know? yeah. So I wanted to I wanted to talk about you know uh, like like a song called Black Royalty. I wanted to talk about my about my wife. You know what I'm saying? And being married. To it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. When I was younger, while I was running around wilding. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. here I wanted to I wanted to give the flowers and the light to to shit like that. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. About you know uh, the loss of my sister and. And, and different different songs. So so grand opening was was a re a re uh, introduction, but it was all, all it was also showing my growth and how I matured. Yeah. Grand Hope now nobody's innocent is a whole different story. You know what I'm saying? It's a whole different story, and it's pretty much like I said, it's pretty much about a young kid who's who's on a on a appearance he seems to be innocent but what the people don't know is that there's a whole dark side to him and then i wanted to also use the stuff from that i you know my experiences in the in my place when i was in that dark space and, and merge it together and make a marriage and give you a project you know from a different perspective you know what i'm saying i think i think you guys i love it a grown man album yeah, man, album, but it is it, it, it has its it has its ignorance though. It definitely has its <laughs> it has its bars, it has its ugliness, it has its you know it's, it's a, it has its revenge. It's, a, it's it's revenge energy. It has uh the warning in energy. It has the you know I made a mistake energy. It has everything on it. It's just nobody's innocent. You know sometimes. Yeah. We hear it, it's, it's fucked up, but sometimes we hear stories of kids or young young people and you know shit happening in the street. And sometimes we don't really know the backstory or what what those people involved, what led to it. You know what I'm saying? So you know we automatically assume, damn, another child is killed. Oh, this shit is fucked up. Or this child was probably doing this. And then you, the mothers are sometimes uh, in a, uh, oblivious to what their child is doing. Yeah. And at that time, period, I'm talking about, you know, my situation and how my mother was oblivious to what I was getting, getting mm-hmm. and what I was around, you know what I'm saying? And, and 
that stuff would have blew her away if she knew all the stuff that I was around and involved. You know what I'm saying? So nobody's innocent kind of deals with all of that stuff in one big pot. And, 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 you know, I can't wait for y'all to hear it, man. It's crazy. Man, what are, you, what are your thoughts on, you know, having those written for people? What are your thoughts on now what it looks like making an album versus what it, what it looked like making an album before? Because now I'm sure you see, you know, Kanye got 70 different dudes, whoever hot and flying to work yeah. on the album with him and to write and to do all this stuff. And it's, it's really moved to like now putting together a hip hop album. It's like, you know, like like some shit like Quincy Jones. You got a whole bunch of composers yeah. <laughs> that throw something <laughs> together. Like, are you opposed to that? Or you think it's a good thing that you have that many people collaborating on a project? Nah. From yeah. the pain standpoint, I'm talking about Apple. I'm talking yeah, about listen. writing. <laughs> I, 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 I've changed my my view on that before was like God, cheating. You know what I'm saying? Like they they on some a rod shit. They cheat. You know what I'm saying? But now I'm looking at it from a different perspective because it's like nah, every 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 artist is not the MC and lyricist that yeah. you want them to be. Mm-hmm. You gotta love the music for what it is. You know what I'm saying? It's like. I remember my boy was telling me about uh, a boogie, and I was just like, at first I was just like, I don't know if I can, you know, fuck with it, you know, yeah. young cats, they, you know, their music is in, uh, is in a different direction, I might not, he's like, nah, bro, just fuck with it, and listen to it, and listen to the artists for who they are, and I listened to that A Boogie album, and ever since then, I'm an A Boogie fan. He's talented. Like, he is super talented. So I was like, nah, I fucks with this. So now I don't. My approach is different. I don't even care. So when I when I get an album or somebody's project, I just want to listen to. It. I don't care who they collab with, yeah. who helped them, who produced this, who wrote this single, because it really is just opening doors for artists like me to get back in. Because you know, I can. Uh, write something for somebody, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. I remember when I was uh, working on a uh, song for Puff and writing for Puff, and I met Nas in the studio, and I'm blown away because this is like my favorite rapper of all time. So I'm like, damn, this nigga Nas Esco's in here. So I'm trying to keep my cool. So I'm like, yo, what's up? I'll give him a pound and introduce to him. We in there vibing. He he's working on a song for Puff for the on the Forever album, mm-hmm. and Nas turned to me. He like, yo, man. 